Welcome back to Hunkering Down with Peter Schorsch. Uh, we're still on the campaign trail. We really enjoyed uh, the format for the most previous podcast where we had a slew of consultants come on. So I decided let's do that again, bring on a different set of consultants. Um, I think this one actually turned out even better just because there's some uh, some compelling stories from some of the consultants. Um, we're going to do this as much as possible between now and August 23rd. Um, I think I want to I want to do like a campaign TV ad review, especially as I'm recording this one. We had new ads from Nikki Fried and Laura Lee. So we might we used to have this like TV ad club um, and we used to write the post. Maybe we'll do that now as a podcast. Again, bear with me. We're recording this as I am driving down the interstate RVing. I'm taking Ella Joyce to and from horse showing, but I'm still working. Um, so you're going to hear the dogs, you're going to hear Michelle, you're going to hear Waze, et cetera. But I think that's the beauty of it. That's just campaign life. I got to still stay plugged in. Um, so thank you. First, a word from our sponsors. Predict It is back with us and we appreciate their support. Thank you to them. We all know that guy who says he knew Trump was going to win long before election night. Had he known about Predict It, he could have put his money where his mouth was and made a little extra cash in the process. Predict It is like the stock market for politics. You can buy and sell shares in future events and elections, both foreign and domestic. During the last election, Predict It beat other national pollsters like Nate Silver in election night predictions, and it wasn't even close. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Hunkering Down listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Okay, so this is a real treat to get her on our pod, she is um, she is definitely one of the top, if not the apex predator of uh, Democratic political consulting in Florida. Uh, Ashley Walker, how are you? Good, good, Peter. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, we were just talking about like um, uh, right now. I am in. I'm traveling, so I'm in the RV. You might hear some RV horns. You might hear Michelle. Uh, yell at me that I've missed the exit. So, you know, bear with us as I, uh, as we go through this, but I, um, I don't want to, and then Ella Joyce, of course, is my co-pilot. So you'll probably be hearing from her as well. Oh, and then we got the pups. They're also in the pack. You can't forget the pups. You cannot forget the pups. One of the pups, uh, just, uh, so how busy are you right now? Like is, are you busier in the primary or in the general? I am more gen- more busy in the general. You know, I don't I don't do a ton of candidate work these days. Most of the work that I do is on independent expenditure and C four side. But I do have a few a few candidates. Um, so I'm you know I'm ready for November and gearing up for November while um, you know not not taking it too slow for August. But mostly November. Most of my work is November. Got to put a shout out for uh, Mercury Public Affairs that mom and pop shop of public relations that you are the, um, I guess you're like the director for Florida. Is that how, is that how that works? Yeah. Like, so I, I manage our Florida operation, but we've got an awesome team and, you know, we all, we're all colleagues and work together and, you know, we're all just trying to, 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 to build something that we can be proud of. Nice. All right. So I've been asking everyone, um, what is a, a, a race, that kind of the statewide audience, people listening in Jacksonville, people listening in Tampa Bay, obviously they're going to be paying attention to Charlie versus Nikki and that kind of thing. But what's a down ballot race that people should be paying attention to? Maybe one that's kind of in your neck of the woods. Yeah, I think there's really kind of two races that I think people should be paying attention to statewide. One is the um, Senator Book and Barbara Sharif race, which I think is um, shaping out to be pretty interesting. And, you know, it has gotten some attention um, considering that Senator Book is is the minority leader. Um, but I think it's 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 been an interesting race. Um, the other race that, you know, is of course we have in Broward County, but I just think statewide as these school board races across the, across the state are going to be interesting. And, you know, right now it's a real tussle between 
Democrats and, and Republicans in terms of what they want to see on these school boards. And it's a particular interest in South Florida just due to the grand or in Broward due to the grand jury report that um, is expected out any day. So um, those are kind of the two races that I think that have an interesting Broward um, bend, but have some impact statewide. So we had Christian Olbert on the first pod um, and I asked him this, is Lauren in trouble or um, is this just a case now where it's going to be a, a resource drain on Democrats going into November? Do you think she's out of the woods yet? I mean, I think you got to take every competitor seriously. And Barbara Sharif is a is a real competitor and has, you know, worked for Broward County for for years now in terms of like having a constituent base here. So I, I think you have to take every, you know, opponent like that that has credibility serious. So she's not out of the woods until Election Day. But I do. I, I would be surprised on election day if she did not win. I mean, she just recently got the Sun Sentinel endorsement. You know, she's put a lot of money into communicating her, um, you know, her record. And um, so I, I do anticipate that she she will come out ahead um, on election day. Um, but, you know, I think you got to you got to you got to play hard all the way till the end. Now about those school board that that's been coming out now for we've been like waiting for that every day for almost a month like i mean is that my it's not my school board's on a paid super close attention to it but it feels like that's been looming over this whole thing for a while now it has and unfortunately you have multiple school board members in broward that have been fighting to keep it um you know, to keep it secret. And I think that's a disservice to voters who um, are, you know, need to make a decision. A lot of the school board members are not running for re-election. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, either way, you're going to get a pretty, um, you know, you're going to get some fresh faces on the school board. You have a few school board members that are not in the fight. You know, some of our newer school board members that I think have been working and fighting for transparency all along. And so, um, either way, we're going to get a lot of new faces on the school board. But yeah, I think that I think voters deserve to see what's in that grand jury report. And I saw um, the Sun Sentinel reported last week that um, one of the, the the legal motions to keep it, you know, under seal um, was denied, and um, they said that it needs to be made public. The, it's only a matter of when that will happen, and I think it should happen before November, so voters know you know, that know what is in there about their school board members that are currently running. Did I lose you for a second there when my ways went off? No, I think you're, no, I did not lose you. I thought maybe okay. you might be in a traffic jam or something. I didn't want to, <laughs> since you're driving a big RV, I did not want to, um, uh, interrupt any kind of work that you were doing there. <laughs> no, I think that it, it's, uh, I think people, uh, we've got the ways going to, um, just real quick. Cause we have, you know, like, cause you're following it and you're down there. Uh, the Jared Moskowitz race, um, is that, is that safe for Jared or is he another person? He's not out of the woods until election day. I think, you know, any open congressional seat, you can't take for granted. I, you know, I, I do give Jared the, um, I do think Jared will prevail in that race. And I think that he'll make a great congressman. And um, I think Broward is, Broward and Palm Beach is really lucky, will be lucky to have him as their congressman. But I think you can't take anything for granted and have to, have to, you know, fight until election day and make sure voters get, get your message. And I think he's doing that. I live in that district and I have to say overwhelmingly the majority of the information I'm getting in my mailbox um, is is about him. Um, I think I've only gotten one piece from his opponent. So I think it's, you know, and I think he is more well known as well. Um, he has higher name ID and, um, you know, has a good message to share, especially coming out of the pandemic. And I think on election day, um, he will prevail. All right, so I've been asking everybody, and you kind of hinted about this earlier, but I've been asking everybody, all right, so you get up on August 24th and you open up playbook and sunburn and um, you read X 
and you're surprised, but you're not surprised. So I don't want you to make any predictions, but what's something that you wouldn't be surprised if this happens in the primary? You know, I think that um, there's always a couple surprises that come out of the primary, um, especially when you get into these like competitive safe district seats. So it'll be interesting to see kind of, especially in Miami, Dade and Broward, um, what comes out of some of these like, you know, down ballot seats yeah. that, um, you know, nobody's really paying attention to. There isn't a lot of polling. You get a candidate that works really hard by going out and knocking on doors and, you know, they're successful. And so, you know, I, I always think it's interesting to see some of those safe seats, kind of who pulls out of those those primaries. Um, but overall, I think on the top of the ticket, I'm not really expecting any big surprises. I guess the only thing that I'll be surprised, like, I guess the thing for me is what it will be the, like, was it a close race between Charlie and Nikki or was it just never close at all? I guess that's the thing that I'm kind of watching on the Democratic side. Obviously, we've got some uh, pri congressional primaries on the Republican side, which are kind of the main event. But um, I'm hoping for an early night that night. There's just so many races. Um, yeah, okay. it'll be interesting to see Charlie and, and, and Nikki's kind of outcome. You know, I think Nikki is pushing hard till the final, you know, till election day and really trying to get some momentum from her campaign, trying to use, you know, the Roe v. Wade decision, which I think is really smart and strategic on their end. It's just unclear how much balance that will give her. Um, and so, but I think at the end of the day, you know, she'll probably fall short and Charlie will be our nominee and Charlie is acting like a nominee right now in terms of his messaging and um, his schedule and the way that he is kind of, um, you know, thinking about issues. And, you know, I think I would be, I would be shocked on election day if, if Charlie was not our nominee. Did you see, uh, as we're recording this, Nikki Freed dropped a new TV ad that they kind of hyped uh, a lot going into it. Did you have a chance to see that yet? I have not seen it, but I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'll have to go online and check it out. Go check the Twitters. It's, uh, you know, they're putting, they're putting, a, it's, it's their last stand. They're putting, I think, seven figures into this uh, ad. And so this is, That's we'll great. see what, you know, what, um, I'll, I'll be honest, when I think about Nikki, I, I almost think like if she had, now she would not have had the Roe v. Wade the whole time as an issue to run on, but had she run, uh, you know, like she has the last month, if she had done that for the last 18 months, I think the race may be in a different position. Um, but I just feel like, gosh, she just, she, uh, you know, she just start, stuttered and faltered so many, at so many different uh, junctures, whether it be, you know, on the personal side or what have you, it just, it, it was fits and starts. And I will be honest, like this version of Nikki is the strongest version of Nikki. So to her credit, she's ending strong and, uh, you know, we'll see where that gets her uh, come August 23rd. All right, Ashley, I appreciate it. We're, uh, you got us from, um, from uh, on to I, I guess we're heading towards uh, into Seaverville and now uh, Sevierville. All my friends in Tennessee will make fun of me for that. So, I appreciate you getting us through the first leg of our RV podcast edition today. Uh, and we'll check back in with you in the general, if that's all right. Yeah, perfect. You guys have safe travels and be careful and then enjoy the mountains. It's beautiful up there. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, back on the pod is my main man, the heat aficionado. <laughs> He's so much better looking on the pod than, you know, like the old pictures of him. I, I got to get those out there. You're more athletic looking. Brad Harold, how are you? Man, I'm better now. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> I, I'm, glad this is a, I'm glad this is just an audio podcast. People will never believe it when they see the pictures. We are two men on the go right now. I'm in the RV. You're in the car. You're like going to like, pick up somebody pick up kids like no i'm on a i'm on a shoot today so i i stole away while they're resetting and uh came over here to talk to you so oh okay speaking of shoots real quick because it's it popped earlier today did you see the nikki freed piece from uh paul thomas anderson i mean kevin <laughs> Keith? 
I, I did see it. Yeah, I did see it this morning. Is it like a lot of people will make the argument that in hindsight, there will be blood is better than no country for old men, even though no country for old we men. We both listened to that podcast this week. Peter. <laughs> That's know. why I know you're making this point. Um, is it on par with no country for old men or is it just like it's just a singular this is going to be the work that defines Kevin Kate at the end of uh, like the end of his career. So, um, <laughs> look, I think Kevin, Kevin's very creative. Uh, I would not pretend to know what Democrat primary electorate, uh, is looking for in television ads. <laughs> you know, I feel like I got a pretty good beat on what the Republicans are looking for. Um, so I think we'll see how that all comes out in the wash. I mean, it's eye catching. There are a lot of mannequins, um, you know, so it, they need something to kind of break through, I think. And, um, you know, maybe that's it. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know the oh, answer to that. More mannequins. Like he more is mannequins. like, it's like feral on SNL. He's just running around. We need more mannequins. Get him over here. If um, I know anything about Kevin, there's a whole behind the scenes video that's coming out about that at some point. <laughs> I'm excited to see how long it took to set up all those mannequins. There was a, there was a, like a, a teaser and he's the only person in the business that teases his own like <laughs> political or his own ads, which is amazing. Um, it's almost like Nolan where like Nolan's got like a three second teaser right now for Oppenheimer. And you're just like, dude, could you just have cut a trailer and just like got to it? Um, they're like the teaser has somebody taking a still picture. So there is going to be a behind the scenes still picture of the behind the scenes video. Like that's how meta it gets on that. He's got a lot of cameras running at one time on his shoots. I've noticed. What did you think? Did you see uh, Laura Lee's new ad? I haven't yet. Did she drop a new ad today? She dropped a new ad. It'll scare the shit out of you. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I will say, like, uh, Hauk and uh, Consensus do a really good job. You know, like, there's a lot of production value there. There's, you know, there's as many um, lens flares as a, as a J.J. Abrams, uh, you know, shoot. Uh, you know, and it's, uh, like... It's like the scary, like she's chasing a criminal and then somehow it like transitions to I protected elections. And I'm like, whoa, how do we, we got there quick. And so, but it looks like a million bucks. It's, you know, you see it and you're like, hey, I would like to see that person representing me in Congress. Like I would not be upset if this person, she is clearly just like, art, not, I don't want to say articulate because that word gets overused, but it's just like, she looks like a leader. She looks like the real deal. If you turn the sound down, you're like, oh, I could vote for her. Yeah. Well, that, look, that's half the battle. I mean, we tell people all the time before, you know, we'll, we'll spend hours with a candidate arguing over three words and a 74 word script. Right. And they, they want to make sure every word is perfect, but so much of our business is just what you look like, the setting you're in, how you talk, you know, especially now in Republican primaries, how you talk about things is almost as important as what you're talking about. There has to be a level of, uh, you know, there has to be a level of urgency. I don't know that anger is the right word, but there has to be a level of urgency in your voice. If you come on and you sound like, you know, if you sound like an establishment politician from 25 years ago, they get sniffed out very quickly, regardless of what you're saying. And so I think, yeah, I haven't seen her new ad, but Ryan obviously understands that. And so that's a big part of it. I mean, that's what we did with Corey and CD7. A big part of it is just how you talk about things. I think uh, you and I mean, your shop, which is obviously a big, big firm nationally and consensus are, you know, you guys are doing, you know, probably top, you know, top of the tier, best class stuff uh, in GOP primaries uh, at this point um, or geo just for Republican candidates in general. So, um, OK, so my two standard questions on this kind of like um, I mean, I know you listen to the Ringer Network, but I, I, I was basically this is like the big picture everybody was asking, like, he brought on 10 people, like, name your one film, and that way they got the top 10 movies of 2022 so far. And so I'm doing this where it's just like, all right, give me a race in Florida. I know you're national, but you have a fo Florida focus. Give me a race in Florida that um, this audience should be paying attention to. A primary. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest primary race in Florida this cycle is in 15, is the one you just talked about as early. I'm not involved in it. Um, I've been watching it from afar, but you've got, you know, a couple of really well-funded candidates who are, 
you know, who are going at it. Um, and so to me, that's the most interesting one to watch on election day um, of all the congressional primaries going on. Does um, with like, will that be decided at the I'm kind of like waiting for the the national folks to kind of decide on a candidate. It does not seem like Club for Growth or any of the national like money people. I don't I haven't seen like the million dollar buy at the end uh, for one of those candidates yet. Right. Am I am I wrong? like I'm you would know if it's maybe in the works more than I would. But I haven't seen like the 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 reservation for TV time in that market yet. I haven't just because, you know, you've what you've got there are three, um, you know, three very, I would say well-funded and respected female candidates kind of all running. And there's not the, like, there's not the crazy, um, you know, national, all of them have more of a local focus. They've all been in some sort of local elected office. Uh, I guess Laurel, maybe not, but, but, but have a much more local focus than you get in some of these other, other congressional races where, they're banking on big national money to come in at the end. I just don't think any of the three of them really are They're They've raised their money. They've got their outside money that they're going to spend. And so I, I haven't seen anything or heard anything from the national folks. So just to me, it makes it so interesting because so many of these races, I know you're going to ask me about 13, you know, 13 and, and ultimately seven end up with big national groups getting involved. I'm not sure we're going to see that in 15, which is why it's so fascinating to me. The thing about 15, which is interesting is, they, number one, it could have been, it could have been a lot more weird if like Jerry Torres had stayed in the race and like spun right. that money around that he thought he was going to, or that he was going to spend. But, you know, this is also, this is a stock car race to me. This is Reichelderfer, Mark Reichelderfer versus um, Tim Baker and company versus Pedicini. So it's like, this is the consultant title match here. Like you can't, whoever wins this one, they all had pretty much even candidates. They all had pretty much even money. This wasn't, I don't want to hear anything at the end. Like, Oh, we were out spend six to one or, you know, the, the governor hasn't put an endorsement in. So, you know, it's it, I, I literally could see this race going 21, 2019. And then the other two people pick up the other, uh, the other votes. I mean, I, you know, I know, I don't want to, I don't want to skip ahead, but I was thinking what the thing the thing I would wake up on the 24th and not be surprised to read. I think the thing I would be least surprised to read is that we don't have a winner yet in that race. Oh, um, take. I think, I think all three of them are kind of so evenly matched to your point, the kind of stock car thing. I think it's very likely that, that we won't know the winner of that race on election night. Um, well, that's and we'll be fighting over those things. We'll be fighting over those, you know, that race for a week as we kind of count provisionals and stuff. Cause I think they're all pretty close to each other. I think they're all kind of neck and neck. Dude, you come in with the best. That's probably my best take that I've had out of the pod for the last two days that we will, you know, when you think about it, we might not know a winner in seven, 15. I mean, 13, I would imagine we would know just because it's three way, but it's like, I could see seven being just drawn out for a while. Right. Like, I mean, that that's, there's like 19 people running the net seat. No, I mean, I, I, look, I'm, I'm going to play the Homer card here. Cause obviously I do Corey's. Yeah. TV, uh, and I'm, I'm privy to some information that's not out there, but I mean, you've seen Corey is, you know, leading in most of the public polling you've seen. Um, Corey is the only candidate who's got the ability to go up on broadcast TV right now in that district. Um, and so, you know, Corey started a new broadcast flight over the weekend that'll go through election day. And I, I just think he has the best message. I think he's the best messenger and he has the best message. And so I feel pretty strongly about how that one's going to turn out in seven. Good. Good. You know, you know who I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Anthony Sabatini. That's my guy. Uh, I know you're a big fan. <laughs> actually, I will say, uh, not break a little news on it, but like expand some news that I read. Like somebody forwarded over an email from like one of these. There's so many like news sites right now, like that are like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to be the Florida News Conservative Leader dot com. Um, I guess he, like Sabatini's maybe getting divorced or something like that, or like. There is a report that he and his wife are estranged that I, I will say that I don't want to like rumor monger, but like, that's one of those like stories that's out there and there's some voter, some last minute, like, is it, has he been living at where he says he's been living? So it maybe that'll get fleshed out over the next couple of weeks. Um, I don't like to start rumors about Anthony Sabatini. That's just, I'm not going to do that. 
I haven't heard that, but I can tell you our our plan with three weeks ago is we've got the blinders on and we're we're gonna tell Corey's story for the next three weeks. So all right. Well, you kind of gave away your um, your 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 surprise answer. I I will I'll circle back and I'll let you answer on thirteen because I know. Um, are you are you involved in that? Are you super packing on that? No, we we do we do uh, uh, honest stuff. We do her TV. We did it last time. We're doing it again this time with James. I will say this. Explain to me how this turned into a two person race as opposed to a three person race. It just does not see unless you think it's not, but it just does not seem like Amanda Mackey ever took off. And that is a that is a like 10 years ago. We would have all been happy if an Amanda Mackey had gotten into the race. That is a very competent, articulate, um, experienced candidate. And it just seems like she's just gotten smoked here by. Hazlett and Luna. Am I wrong? Well, I think what her problem was is there are a lot of people who said, hey, you got the speaker's endorsement last time, or or I guess the majority leader's endorsement last time. You had all of the DC money. You outspent your opponent three or four to one, and you lost by double digits. So why are we going to give you money to run against that same person this time? And so um, I think she's had a hard time raising money. I know she's had a hard time raising money. I've seen it in the FEC report. Kevin Hazlett doesn't have to worry about that as much because he's putting a lot of his own money into the race. And so, um, look, I, I, I think Anna is going to be very, very difficult to beat there. She won She won that race by double digits, being outspent four to one last time. She has more name ID and the president's endorsement this time. And so I just think I think all the all the things point to Anna you know, being very strong in that district. And I'm not, you know, I don't think there's any amount of money, frankly, that Kevin Hazlett could spend that could be president Trump's endorsement in that area. Now you live there. I know you know better than I do, but, but I feel very strongly about, about honest I, chances. I, I uh, ride my bike right by, I think Kevin Hazlett's house or somebody who thinks so strongly of Kevin Hazlett that they have a Kevin Hazlett flag, like on a real flagpole and it's on the water. <laughs> so I'm assuming that it's Kevin Hazlett who like, we somehow now like have the most politically, active like it used to be this other neighborhood old northeast but now it's like we got charlie in there we've got kevin hazlett like there's just so many like candidates we've got like we live a block away from a school board member or somebody's running for school board so there's a lot of yard signs um it's like politicians row up in westchester county in new york it is it is is. all right um i'll i'll end it have you are you are you counting down the hours to when you can download heat to on uh I honestly, I have it pre-ordered and it's coming on the ninth. And yesterday I thought to myself, <laughs> I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to ask Peter for his galley copy because I don't want him to get in trouble with the publisher. It was like, I'm I, so as my wife stands here, I am so enthusiastic about the things that I am enthusiastic about. And it's just like, even like last night we're in the RV like they're my, we're playing Uno and my wife, like, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching the heat trailer. They're like, Oh, is it out? And I'm like, no, this is the trailer from 30 years ago. <laughs> and it's just like, we're like, they're made. Well, Ella calls me old head. And I'm just like, I w- I actually turned it into like, it kind of gave me inspiration for something to do with influence. And it's just like, I love that movie so much. And then the book now has like, when you get there and I don't, I'm not going to give away anything, but the book so makes the movie. And it's weird because like with prequels, you know, like I think we've been in this like era of prequels and they've actually diminished the stories. Like you go to like, I mean, I don't want Ryan Smith to hear this, but like you watch. The oh, Star I'll tell Ryan all the time. Yeah. The, the prequels, <laughs> the prequels and the sequels, I think diminish the original trilogy. They so. did. They just, they, they I, I don't know that the only prequel that I can think that's done well is like better call Saul. And I will say this where it's kind of like better call Saul in the sense that you almost want the original now to be retconned a little bit so that it, there's so much depth out that's been added. You're like, Oh my God, this makes everything that I saw 25 years ago mean so much more. And that these guys were just not like ex cons that had gotten out. There's a, there's a huge human story to these people that we already, um, you know, a, a click of us obviously worship. So, yeah, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to go forty-five minutes on heat again because they'll. I'll get facts <laughs> like I did after the last podcast. All I will say is I'm very interested to read the book because you know this because you listened to the the three heat with Michael Mann. He wrote like a hundred page book 
for every actor yeah. that gave their character's backstory. So like yeah. he had all of this material. That's why I'm excited to read it because it, this has existed, you know, for 25 years since the original movie came out. So I'm excited to read what the, all those actors read. So last question. Do you know how old Michael Mann is? He's 79 years old, which it's just like, he just wrote heat and, you know, Biden can barely, you know, <laughs> who's greater? Who's, who, who's having a better, who's the better 79 year old? Michael Mann. Yeah. Otis. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right, Brad Harold, back to your shoot. Thank you for uh, taking Thanks. time. With, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you after the primary. All right. See ya. Okay, this is fun. Ben Polera is joining us. Uh, Ben, you have to own up to the fact that you know you're my friend now, uh, and so now, now everybody... I've been your I've been your friend. Well, y- yes, but now you're having to own up to it. Like you know, I don't I have I don't I don't know if uh, the world knows that you know you and I talk as often as we do. Um, but I mean, um, how's things going? Things are good, man. You things are, are good. You're working on a like a couple of statewide, a couple local. Is that? And you even got like a candidate in my neck of the woods too, right? I do. I have uh, Pat Gerard on the Pinellas County Commission, which I hope I hope we can get yours and Michelle's votes for for her in November. And then yeah, I've got um, I've got a state house race in Miami. Uh, AJ D'Amico running to replace Nick Duran in the state house, uh, and then statewide uh, Daniel Yulefelder for Attorney General. All right. Normally, I ask everybody to give us a race to pay attention to, but that's kind of one of the that is one of the interesting primaries that's going to be um, you know decided on August twenty third. How is that race going for Daniel? How's that? How do you see that race shaking up or uh, shaping up? I mean, it's interesting. I think you know statewide Democratic primaries uh, that are not for governor or Senate are uh, are tricky birds uh, because there's not a lot of attention to them whatsoever, uh, whether it's from donors or the press. And and you have in this race, three candidates, uh, Daniel Ufelder, Aramis Ayala, and Jim Lewis, who are basically unknowns to, to the vast majority of the Democratic electorate. Um, Daniel's the only one who's spending any money. Uh, and, uh, and so I think, you know, we've, we've gotten some good endorsements recently, Jason Pizzo, Al Lawson, uh, we're, we're pretty aggressively spending statewide digital, um, but there's no polling in the race. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to come down to the wire, but I think, you know, Daniel's, you know, Daniel's going to outspend his competition by a factor of 10 or 15 to one. A lot of that's being driven by the top of the ballot, like people coming out for Charlie and Nikki you know, are going to, they're going to cast a ballot for one of those two anyways. So you don't even have to sure. really worry about necessarily like get out the vote in that, in that race. I mean, Pete, the vote is going to be out for that race. Um, did you have a, a chance to take a look? I've been asking everybody, did you have a chance to take a look at, um, at the new Nikki Freed ad? No, I forgot about it. I, I looked this morning and it wasn't out yet. And and I haven't looked since. How is it? Uh, oh, uh, it's creative. Uh, you know, uh, I was talking with Brad Harold about it right before you came on. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's it's a creative ad. It, it may it will probably break through. Um, you know, uh, it won't go viral. It's not like that. But it it's it, it you will look at the figure on television with the sound down and want to know no, more about who this person is walking by all these mannequins, um, which is like the kind of the concept of the ad uh, that she, you know, that there's been 46 governors, although there was a little bit of dispute. I guess like Ron DeSantis is the 45th governor, but only 44 people have been governor because we had a person who was governor twice. And so uh, a reporter pointed that out to Kevin. And so it was already a little Twitter battle right there. Um, <laughs> Give us another race that you think uh, folks should be paying attention to, another primary race. So, 
So, well, so the one that's been clogging up my mailbox at home, uh, which is not, which, which has some, you know, statewide implications, actually a, uh, a Miami-Dade County Commission race, the County Commission District 6 race, which I think there's like a half a dozen people running, but the real action is between two Republicans, Kevin Cabrera and George Fors. And I have been getting a tremendous amount of mail and text messages uh, and and phone calls and everything on that race. And it's, you know, it's it's and it's interesting for a couple of reasons. First, because it is being, you know, squarely positioned as uh, Trump Republican versus kind of country club Republican with with George Fors, uh, who's a Coral Gable City Commissioner running as the, the more country club Republican. I mean, I got a piece the other day that says, What's what's Kevin Cabrera hiding? And then on the back it just says Trump, 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 Trump. And in the middle, in the middle, there's a picture of him and Donald Trump. But he's also, I mean, he's using Trump in his ads as well. And and it, it's 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 also interesting because Kevin Cabrera is the husband of uh, of Demi Busada Cabrera. And if this thing goes to a runoff, um, you know, there's going to be a, a a resource suck there. Yeah, uh, I. I mean, we write about that race almost, you know, like we put up one story about Cabrera, then Forza's campaign, which is being run by my friend Steve Marin, great consultant down there. Um, you know, Jesse is on the Maniscalco is on the other side with Kevin. You know, we put up one endorsement story, then the other side called, well, hey, the, uh, you know, the FOP of um, South Florida just endorsed us. And they're like, OK. And so it just it seems like it goes back and forth and then we see the mail pieces back and forth with each other and so we're seeing that even tracking that from you know from where we're at um i mean do you want to make a prediction in that one i mean i know you you don't have to vote in that one right that's a that's a partisan race right no no miami miami uh miami Dade commission seats are nonpartisan. i'm gonna vote oh. for and, oh. and it's my and it's my it's obviously my district i'm getting a little mail for it i'm i'm gonna vote for for force who I don't well, particularly, well, who's my city commissioner, who I don't particularly care for, who's like a rock rib Republican, but, uh, you know, I, I'm susceptible to the Trump advertising. Uh, yeah. So that's okay. So that is in play. There is they're not fighting for the Republican vote. They're probably going to split that up. They're trying to pick up the Democrat and independent vote. And they're trying to, I guess, push. They're trying to make the other person seem too Trumpy. Is that the idea? Well, I mean, uh, Cabrera is Trumpy. I mean, period, end of story. I mean, he's they're using it against him, but he's also using it in his own stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. So he's he's fully embraced the Trumpiness. But I'm getting texts from both of them saying that they're the candidate of organized labor. Uh, I mean, it, they're also just like extreme, you know, nasty, negative stuff back and forth. But that's what we live for this time of year. Right? I know it's exciting. It's, it's why I'm bringing it up a county commission race on your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't like. We're so much busier during the primary, and then it, you know, it gets it actually does get quiet for a little bit, and then it turns into just straight up Republican Democrat. Like we were talking about the CD fifteen congressional race. Like we live for that. That's a those are three well funded candidates you know like battling it out that's you know i don't want to see any there's there's going to be i don't think there's going to be a competitive now that may be maybe one or two but i don't know that there's going to be a competitive congressional race in florida i mean there will be like al lawson versus neil dunn but how competitive can that be i mean with that district well 27 is going to be competitive 27 i obviously 13 they will make it competitive i mean i i don't know how they i don't i don't know how they get there uh, by the way, on 27, because we were just kind of making a judgment call there. That's Tadeo's running away, right? I mean, there's no... In the primary? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, Ken Russell doesn't, like, catch up there or anything like that, right? Not a chance. Okay. Well, he does a very <laughs> good job on reaching out. And he's actually raised a good amount of money. I mean... He has. He has. Um, and, like, you kind of, like, I don't know, from a... From a from like an assignment editor's perspective, I've got to like narrow it down at some point. And it's just like, listen, we've got 110 primaries across the state, you know, up and down. Is this a competitive primary or not? It looks on paper, it almost should be competitive, but it doesn't seem like it's competitive. And so, like, I literally just told our team, I'm like, guys, you know, resource allocations, we've got to kind of just move on from this race. Um, you know, like we Yeah, we, I mean, on paper. But it's still sixty percent Hispanic primary electorate. 
Okay. Right. And, um, and she's got, even putting that aside, she's got tremendous, I think, name ID and financial advantages. I mean, he has raised money, but I don't think it's any close. Although it's unfortunate for her, for Annette, that she's got to, you know, spend whatever it's going to cost her to deal with this two, three hundred thousand dollars to deal with it. I will say, like, and I was not the biggest Annette Tadeo fan in 2014. And I wish that Charlie Chris had picked a different LG, but I will say she has. Absolutely, 100% become a, a great politician for both her community and at the state level in the eight years since. And it's like, I almost wish, I kind of wish Charlie hadn't picked her before so that he could pick her now uh, for LG. Like, I think that they would just be a hell of a, a hell of a team uh, or hell of a ticket. Um, okay. No, Lynette is a, a substantive individual. She's certainly proved that in the Senate, and I think. Uh, on on the campaign trail too. Let me ask you the uh, the question. So you wake up August twenty fourth. Uh, I know you read Sunburn first. I don't even have to worry about it. I see it. I track it. I can tell when uh, when you get up and when you open up Sunburn. Um, because I get up. I, I no offense to you. But I mean, I, but I get up before find out senses. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, you. I can't. I mean, I, I would still read Sunburn first, but. I, and you know what? I really You're did. Early, like, bird, I, early bird gets the worm. Early bird right? gets. I, I last night was the first time I had put it where I did not it, like in a while. Like I actually like like didn't schedule it, um, and I could not sleep like deeply because I was so nervous <laughs> about it going out and missing it. And so it's like like my whole body rhythm is set to like waking up at like three 30, just to double check that it's okay. And that I can, that I can go back to sleep and schedule it. And this time I didn't. Cause I, I felt like there would be more news like the first of the month and there just wasn't. So I was like holding back for like, cause like the legacy newspaper set a lot of their stories for 6am. And I was like, let me just see if somebody's holding a big right. story, you know, and nothing, nothing happened. So I could have slept in. Um, all right. So you wake up, what would you read that is surprising, but it would not surprise you? What would I read? What would I read that is surprising, but it would not surprise An me? election result that, if it happens, would not surprise you, but it's still kind of a surprise. Um, ooh, that's a good one. I thought you 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 initially told me it was just not going to surprise me, and I was going to say Charlie Crist uh, winning <laughs> winning the nomination. That would not be a surprise. Well, um, it's more like you know, like. You know, it's. I don't, I don't know. Want, I think this guy Maxwell, to... Maxwell Frost pulling pulling it out would maybe be a surprise, not surprise for me. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, that's a that's a good one. That, that's a good one. Like he seems like he has so many, he has so much resources at this point, and like Bracy and the rest just don't seem like they're doing much. Right. That's an important race to. I need to. We need to pay. I mean, we write about it a lot. Uh, he's got Kevin Lotta over there. And, he sends out like nine press releases a day. So um, I got to give him credit. All right. Any other notes about the primary you want to drop on us before uh, we let you go? I don't think so. All right. Well, we will check back with you then. Hopefully uh, your candidates do well and we'll check Thank back with you, you after the, uh, after the primary. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. Bye. Okay, joining us now is Beth Matuga, a Democratic fundraiser and strategist. Uh, Beth, how are you? I am wonderful. Thanks for having me, Peter. Um, you can't see me, but I can see you, and I'd ask you to stop sending me all the weight that you're losing. Oh, you're so kind. I feel good. I'm wearing a V-neck. I got a little bit of hair coming out of there, but I, you know, I feel comfortable to wear a V-neck t-shirt right now. Um, I think you I'm, need like a gold sparkly chain happening. <laughs> um, I remember our, God, we, you know, it's so crazy. We did that podcast at Disney. Uh, yeah. And that's, it sounds, that seems like an entirely different world, right? Yeah. I believe I was like 22 years old when we recorded that podcast. <laughs> it was, uh, I see that picture of us and it's just like, uh, or a picture of Michelle and I with Mickey Mouse and everything. And it's like, wow, I remember when, when people in politics like Mickey Mouse and things like that. I mean, Democrats still do, but it was just 
completely different world. Um, yeah, I'm talking. Listen, my Democrats love love them some Disney World, trying to you know fight and fight for Disney, um, which is um, you know something that we've been kind of quietly doing for a while. I know we get a we don't get a particularly uh, great rap on it, but who would have thought we'd live this long to see the shoe be on the other foot? Well, and it's interesting, like with the Disney thing, like. I, I guess it's a, you're you're right. It's like something that like it's always been there, you know, and it's like when you have a highly creative company like Disney and that's what it takes to, you know, to fuel that all of those movies, all of those productions, et cetera. You know, when you get into that, the creative arts, you're going to tend to skew liberal. I mean, you 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 you, you don't have a lot of people and I don't I don't want to. It isn't a, it isn't the military. It's the opposite of it. You've got a lot of people that, you know, that 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 are just open minded to different things like and experience different things. And so it's like I'm kind of glad that Disney is coming home to, you know, where it should be, um, you know, and I think like just talking to Disney people, Disney like globally and the California has always been there. It's just Disney Florida has had to kind of um it, it's kind of had to toe the line because of the the power imbalance oh, yeah. here well look I, I can understand this look i i they <laughs> i can under i can from a perspective of someone who is sitting in california watching all of this unfold um you know they have a pretty you know liberal legislature in california and so i can imagine watching this from across the country going like holy shit like what what is happening in florida and so i get it um but I have uh, plenty of, of friends and clients and colleagues in the state legislature who are Democrats who um, really want to see Disney succeed. And so I hope that this I hope it works out for them. Well, it, it'll be interesting also because. Disney, like they're. I mean, they're going to have to start fighting for some things that probably don't go along well with the Republican legislature. I mean, don't say gay is is the beginning of it. You know, there are other things like. I think they signed off on the on a letter, an open letter to D.C. Um, and so mm -hmm. it's it they've got an interesting road to, uh, you know, to hoe over the next couple of uh, next couple of years. Um, where are you at right now? Did you just slip out that you're in California? Have you always been in California? And I didn't realize that. Me? No, I'm not in California. Oh, um, OK. OK. I, you're fine. OK, sorry. I, I wish I was in California. I love me some West Coast. People are crunchy and made entirely of granola um, and very healthy and very sort of let's climb a, a mountain today. So um, I, I love the West Coast, but I am not there. Uh, this close to the primary, I am staying very close to my computer. It seems like so we're RVing around and we've been in North Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee. Like we're for I mean, I'm working, but Ella's doing our horse shows. I, you know. I, uh, I'm still in the South, but there is not the, I'm going to, and, and, and listen, we're out in horse country. This isn't like we're in like Asheville or something like that. There just right. doesn't seem to be the, the tension that there is in Florida. Like the, I'm going to have my three Trump flags on the back, or I'm going to protest at the LGBT awareness event this weekend. It just, uh, and and again, you know, it, I I don't want to generalize it too much, but there just doesn't seem to be the same level of tension um, in these states as there is in Florida right now. Florida just seems like it's it's on a hair trigger. Yeah, um, I guess I. Oh, sorry, my my Amazon lady is talking to me. Um, <laughs> I guess it's interesting. I'm not sure that I. I travel enough candidly to have <laughs> particularly right be particularly right before elections to have that sort of perspective. But when I do kind of get out of Florida, you realize that you're living in a bubble uh, and you realize that our politics is really fucked up <laughs> uh, in Florida. And people are really there. We're, we're kind of in a tinderbox situation. And, and I worry about that as I worry about it with the whole country. Um, and, you know, the, the so goes Florida, so goes the country sort of mentality is great until real bad things start happening here. And I would hate for Florida, who's been at the cusp of, of so many other, you know, 
trends and innovation to be um, the tip of the spear on a in a kind of in a larger way in a larger sort of <laughs> collapse of the democracy way. Um, but you know, when you have a, a governor who is um, who is instituting things like you know election police and things like that, it's it's, it's very hard to remain um, optimistic. I don't. I you know like when you do drive through some of these places, I think the um, the liberal and these are southern places. They do not hate on the 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 liberal areas the way Florida seems increasingly to do so. Like it's like North Carolina. The rest of North Carolina likes Asheville, you know, and like yeah. appreciates the university, the research triangle, That's and an it's like point. yeah. And, and like even like when we were in Kentucky, it just seemed like, you know, like I and maybe it maybe it's the wealth in Florida that sets up like a, a competition, mm -hmm. but it's like everybody seemed a little bit more down to earth. Like you didn't know if you were standing next to old money, horse money, or like, like just you the know, yeah. And it was they're just I'm I, I'm telling you, I feel it now, and I've because I've traveled and it has opened up my eyes. I've traveled for the last. I've spent three months probably out of the last two years, basically in an RV. And they're just, there is something much different uh, than Florida when it comes to our tension levels. Anyways, uh, that's probably more than what I promised to ask you. What is a race that the statewide audience, hopefully all 12 people that listen to my <laughs> podcast, um, what's the race that they should pay attention to? So I'm going to throw you a curveball here, Peter. I'm, I'm sure everyone is expecting me to talk about legislative races, but I have just an adorable story um, about a really good candidate that I want, I want to tell everyone about. And so um, I think you, anybody who's followed me on social media knows that, you know, my parents are, are older. They live in Brevard County. My mom has not been in good health um, for a while. And that's one of the reasons that I have these uh, Alexa devices all over my house. That's how we kind of, you know, primarily communicate. Uh, and for anybody with, you know, elderly or, or, you know, disabled people that you're caring for in your life, I really recommend it because it, it makes it so much easier um, to cool. communicate and see people. And, you know, we learned during the pandemic how important it is to, to turn on your camera and look at people and, and try to replicate that in-person communication. So... Um, anyhow, I got uh, an adorable direct message on Twitter um, a couple weeks back from a woman by the name of Erin Dunn, that's D-U-N-N-E in Brevard County, with a picture attached to it of my mom, who got out on her, or had a door knock from this gal who's running for the school board in Brevard County, Florida. Uh, and my mother, hey, Michelle, I can see the background. Hi, sorry. <laughs> Beth Matuga. Um, so anyhow, I have this picture of this stranger staring into the camera with my with my mom and her walker in front of their front door. Uh, and uh, Aaron, the candidate, had had knocked on their door because um, there was one Democrat who lived in the house. My dad's a Republican. My mom's a Democrat. And my mom was so thrilled to have a Democrat knock on her door. She said, oh, my God, my daughter works in Democratic politics. You have to try to find her. Um, and so she found me on the Twitter machine. Um, and so I was, you know, it was such a nice gesture and it was so nice to know yeah. that, you know, my mom was excited to see her. Um, so I sent Aaron a little bit of money and I, you know, I kind of conversed with her back and forth, but she's running a really good campaign. And so I did a little digging into her, um, and I, I'm sure she won't, um, object to getting this kind of, uh, coverage, but. She is uh, a teacher, uh, a, a wife, a mother, and she's running a really good school board race down in Brevard County, which has to be really freaking hard um, for a Democrat in Brevard County. And so um, since it's my home county, I thought I would tell that story because it really brightened my day. Um, and there are good Democrats knocking on doors right now. And so shout out to, to Erin Dunn. And if anybody's interested in learning more about her, uh, she's got a, a great website and her hashtag is get it done, which I love. That is fantastic. That's exactly you win. Like everybody's been talking about these big ticket congressional races. And that's what I wanted everybody. I wanted this to be was like people getting to hear some of these cooler, like, you know, there are so many people like, in fact, I wanted to do like a series 
and I, you know, we're just not going to get to it, but it's like, I wanted to do a series kind of like the long shots and not mm-hmm. even like the crazy long shots, just like people, they run and we get their press releases and it's like, man, I wish we had the bandwidth to get to them. We just don't like, you know, it's hard yeah. enough keeping up with, you know, Nikki versus Charlie and all this, you know, other stuff. There are a lot, there's a whole group of people just earnest to goodness people that run like and i see it like there's like people they like place radio ads like they'll do a flight for like 460 dollars and i'm like they're never gonna win but they just put <laughs> their 460 dollars yeah. in that radio ad that they just produced that's so cute yeah. um and it's 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 cool it, it, yeah i'm glad you shared this this is a good one um well and the you know the other thing i'll say about that is because we get this all the time right we as democrats we, we don't build a bench. We don't build a bench. And, you know, the thing that people, when people ask me about that, I normally tell them, well, it's, you know, the, the, the way that you play a baseball game is you can only get to bat if the person in front of you, you know, also like either gets on, uh, gets on base or any other baseball metaphor. Right. And so we do really have good people who are trying to run for these down ballot races um, but the bench building starts at the top, not at the bottom. And I just, I was so pleased that Aaron was working so hard. Um, and she really deserves and, 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 and hundreds of people like that who are running in these sort of teeny tiny, thankless little races that are now becoming nationalized. Like imagine being a school board candidate in Brevard County yeah. and all, the, and all of a sudden now your fate is tied to national politics. Yeah, And so I just thought that was, it was such an interesting personal touch and it really kind of um, warmed my heart, but it also, I also thought, geez, how many Aaron Dunn's are there out there boiling away in obscurity? I'm actually reading a note from like uh, somebody that requested, like, they're like, can we please set an inner or like a request for a meeting? And it's, I guess, somebody that's running for agriculture commissioner i've never heard of the person and i'm just thinking what an uphill battle they have in front of them running against wilton simpson it's just such a foregone conclusion that he's going to win and here they are like it's and they're reaching out they're like can we please have an interview and i'm like god like i really i i've got to we do try to let every person have like one story um yeah. in fact like we bring on extra reporters just to like just so that they so somebody has something that they can post on Facebook one time. Um, okay, the other question. Hey, pups, this is a podcast. You guys are making way too much noise on the RV. Um, <laughs> the the other uh, question I've been asking everybody is: All right, so you wake up August twenty fourth. What is something surprising that may happen that you really wouldn't be surprised if it does happen? Ooh, that's a good one, Peter. Um, yeah. You know, I think we have, um, <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to, I have a couple competing thoughts in my mind that I'm trying to reconcile. You know, we have a lot of very interesting um, politics going on locally in Tallahassee, which I'm sure everyone's, you know, yeah. watching from afar. Um, and I don't know what's going to go on there. There, um, you know, there seems to be, Again, with the nationalizing of these sort of local races, there seems to be a great cleave uh, in Tallahassee between, I suppose, what you consider a, a lefter wing or a more liberal wing, because everything in Tallahassee is Democratic, uh, of the Democratic Party, and then, I, I, I suppose, a more conservative, um, you know, sort of business-friendly wing. And it's getting, you know, it's getting kind of rough over here in a way that I think it probably hasn't been yet in Tallahassee. Um, And so that's been an interesting development. And I don't know how it's going to play out. Uh, I don't have any local, you know, clients or candidates that I'm working for. So I don't have a dog in fight. Um, But, you know, there's a a lot of similarities um, happening nationally that are mirroring now what's trickling down locally. And I'm going to be honest, like, I don't think that that's necessarily a great thing uh, for our politics. I don't think people conceive, regular voters, I don't think conceive of local races in the same way that they conceive of congressional races or presidential races, if and when they conceive of them at all. And so, you know, that that does kind of bother me seeing it happen here at home. It is, the Tallahassee whole scene maybe 
the most interesting down ballot races, uh, even more interesting like than the usual like crazy South Florida stuff or the competitive, you know, Tampa Bay stuff, because that is like the the fact that John Daly is fighting off a battle from the left, that there is the like the David Bellamy, Jeremy Matlow race that that is, you know, and that there's a lot of money involved. There's a lot of publicity. You know, yeah. everybody in Tallahassee is a, a there's like 40 different blogs up there. Every, you know, everybody's got an opinion on it. Um, it is, you know, we dive into it and then, you know, yeah, that's that, those are going to be some interesting races to watch um, on, on in the primary and into November. All right, Beth, this has been awesome. You, of course, always deliver on the pod. I, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. We will we'll circle back with you uh, and hear from you. I know we'll be talking about a certain state Senate race, I'm sure, when we get closer to the general election. Okay, sounds like a plan. Thank you, Peter, I appreciate the time. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye.